Thank you all for coming to the second breakout. Did you all go to Brian first? Yes. Was it amazing? Yes. I, 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 they are videoing it, I think, so I'm so excited for myself to um, hear what he had to say. Wasn't he just incredible even last night? And you know, we kind of touched on fearless, right? How we can overcome fear. So I'm like, whoa, great. What a great segue to today's breakout on how we can become fearless, like to just confidently move out in the unique design God has for us. So thank you for coming. Um, that fine young man who's passing out the papers is my husband, Don. Maybe some of you know him or don't know him. <laughs> but um, anyways, Don is the global director here at Kensington. And um, what I love about him is he is the, he, oh. <laughs> I know, it is my, and Sue Anderson. <laughs> Hi, everyone, welcome. Okay, that's fine. Anyways, Don, like I said, like his, he, he came out of his mother's womb adventurous. Like he loves to travel. He has a passion, a big heart for the whole world. And um, I married him because I was afraid to be adventurous, but I thought, man, I'm gonna attach myself to him and I'll be able to overcome all those fears and I will be able to, to be adventurous. And I can honestly say that that has happened. It, is really, it has been really fun to watch how God has knit us together and we balance each other out. But the reason I'm bringing him up is because um, when he first came on staff at Kensington as the global director, one of his first trips he took was to go to Kenya. And how many of you have been to Kenya? We have a few people here, right? So when he came home from Kenya, and he had traveled the whole world. Like, I don't know, Don, is it like 60 countries you've been to? Yeah, so he's seen the whole world. But yeah, when he came home from Kenya, he was so incredibly changed that I just couldn't wait for it to be my turn. But I could go and see what it was about Kenya that was so unique and different from any other country he'd ever been to. And so the time finally came that we were able to go and um, we, oh, hold on, I should take this out. Is that annoying you? I think it's annoying me. Okay, so when we went there, um, it was so incredible. Those of you who went, like, know that the children, there's like 180 kids. We went to this one orphanage in Codeach, and when you pull in, the children were all lined up singing, like singing and waving and greeting us, and it was so incredible, like, like nothing I had ever experienced, and I was just so excited to be there and to see what God was going to do. Well, um, the sleeping arrangements there at Codeach was the guys are in a dorm, the girls are in a dorm. So I was ready for that. But what happened is when we got there, they wanted to honor Don and I, and they said, we're going to set you up in the headmistress's little apartment. You and, you and Don will get to sleep together, be together. And, and um, we want you to, to, to go into this. So the headmistress's apartment was attached to the girls' dormitory. So we would go into that little room, and we could hear the giggling and the laughing. And the joy, the laughter, it was so fun for me to, and Don to get to hear. And it just made me think, like, I wish all of you, could, I could just let you, like, get, put a little container of the giggling joy that these children have because you realize 180 of them, either their parents have passed away or their parents cannot afford to take care of them. And so know that Kensington has a part of that laughter and that joy was so incredible. 
It truly was uh, a miracle for me, and I'm just so thankful for the privilege that I, I was able to go. And I'm sure you all who went feel the same exact way. Well, what happened to me one night is Don and I went back to our little honeymoon suite, I guess, whatever you want to call it, our little, little place. Um, they, they had bunk beds in there. She had bunk beds in there. So, um, and you know that malaria is like prominent in those areas. So we had these malaria nets, you know, that we had to use. So we go, it's been a big long day. We get all tucked in. We get the net all around us, tucked all in, you know, and we're just settling down. We're listening to the girls giggling, like kind of get quieter and fainter and fainter as it's time for us to all settle in. And all of a sudden something happens. And this is the something, okay, that happens is I, I feel like I may have wet my pants. It's kind of embarrassing to say out loud, but there you go. Like I have this feeling. So I just put my hands on my legs. I'm feeling my pajamas. And to my surprise, I'm not wet at all, which I'm like, whew, that's good, you know. But I'm wondering what, what that was about. And it wasn't much longer after that that my legs started to be all like squiggly, like after you boil spaghetti, like gets all noodly and stuff. And so my legs are all like, ooh, and I'm thinking, what is going on? So I just, I have, I mean, it's bugging me so much that I have to remove the malaria net and get myself out of the bed. And as I go to stand up, I can't stand up and I fall over. So there I am laying on the floor staring up at the ceiling, wondering what in the world is happening to me. And Don, by that time, you know, he gets out of bed, he picks me up, he puts me back into bed, and we pray, because we don't know what to do. We just pray, and we say, God, please heal Sue's legs by tomorrow. Now, I don't know why we didn't say heal her legs now, but we said tomorrow, because a lot of times when crises like this happen, you don't know what to do, right, or even what to say. But in the morning when I woke up, my legs were working. I was so thankful. I, could, I got up, I got all ready, but all of a sudden I'm realizing that the side of my face is going numb. Like you know how when you have Novocaine and it starts to wear off and it's you know, all pins and needles? Well, that's what's happening. So I'm hitting my face, hitting my face, trying to wake it up, but it will not wake up. The whole rest of our time there, the whole 10 days, I walked around hitting the side of my face, slapping the side of my face. I'm sure the Pocuts did not know what was going on. Like, is this how they all are in the United States? I don't know. I don't know. But I tried to best that I could not, you know, let that stop me from experiencing everything that I wanted to experience, to see the beautiful land that the Pocot tribe, where they lived. We actually got to go see, you know, the water, the dirty water that they have to drink, but we also got to see the land where the well was going to go that Kensington had given money towards. You know, it was a beautiful trip, and I was able to just keep that part of my face going numb to myself. And so what happened was when we got home, I knew I needed to take care of it, but somewhere along the way, I had convinced myself that um, I just had a toothache. I, I totally like just put into denial the leg situation because it never came back. It was just that one night, it was really a freak thing. And so I just, in my head, thought it was my tooth. So I immediately made an appointment to go see my doctor. 
I went to see him and I asked him if he would examine my tooth and tell me what was wrong. Like I said, I'm sure, like I already thought I knew that it was just a tooth needed to be pulled or I needed a crown or something. So he looks in my mouth and then he looks directly at me in my eye and says, Sue, it is not your tooth. And if it will be okay with you, I'm gonna have my brother who happens to be a neurologist who's upstairs in the same building, I'd like to have him come down right now and take a look at you. Would that be okay? I'm like, mm, yeah. I mean, who does that, right? And now looking back, I see that that was just the hand of God, like letting me know how much he cares and how much he was in it with me. But at that time, I had no idea. I was just like, wow. So the second Dr. Mary comes down and he looks at me, examines me, and I tell him like the things that happened and I actually did bring up my leg and the things that happened with both the legs. And he said, Sue, there's something more going on here. And I need, I would like you to get to your primary care physician, get yourself referred to a neurologist and get it seen to because it's serious. And so we went about that route. We found a neurologist. I had test after test done. The last test being a spinal tap where they would um, be able to tell me exactly what was going on with my body. And so that moment came when Don and I were actually sitting in Dr. Ernstoff, her office, and she um, you know, had all her papers out and all that, and she said, um, it's been confirmed, you do have multiple sclerosis. And I don't think that I heard another thing after that because I was so frozen in fear. And um, multiple sclerosis, in case you don't know, is just your immune system attacks itself and it attacks the central nervous system. It attacks your nerves, it attacks your muscles, eventually it wants to shut down your body. And so there I am with so much fear. I have no idea what to do. Fear of uh, death was really what it was. Fear of the unknown, fear of you know, my life just being over. Everything I had hoped and thought would happen was all gonna be done, gone. And so if we're honest, you know, we all have fear. I would think that you're here on a breakout about becoming fearless because you have some fear. So what are some common fears that we have today? You don't have to, you don't wanna be that transparent yet and say you, you can just shout out what your friend's fear is. Well, what are some fears? Coming out of remission from cancer. Mm. Okay, so fear of the unknown of is that gonna happen or not happen, okay. Someone said failure over here? Safety. Yeah, safety, protection. Rejection. Rejection, yep. We get power, we're declaring out loud those fears right now, it's just like the enemy, he can't win in this. What other fears? Finances. Finances, yep. Yeah. What if I'm not hearing it right? What if I'm getting it all wrong? Yeah. Yes, other people's perception, she said. Approval of man. Wanting everybody to love us and like us, right? There's so many fears that we experience on a daily basis. And so mine was that fear of the unknown, fear of death. So where does fear come from? I wanna just start there. This might be a review for some of you, but I'd just like you to bear with me because sometimes I think we need to hear stuff over and over and over again until it clicks. So where does fear come from? Not from God. It comes from the enemy. It comes from Satan. It comes from the devil. 
He has a scheme for your very life. And I want you to become acutely aware of that. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 talks about that there is a war going on in the heavenly realms. And that war is again, is, uh, they're fighting that war for you. It's about you. The Lord loves you. The enemy does not love you. And he wants to shut you down. I want you to realize that, that this war is happening. He wants you to wear fear because he wears fear. His fear is that you are going to realize how, how, um, how confident you can be, how powerful you can be, especially for God's kingdom. And that scares him to death. He wants you to wear fear as your identity so that you are stuck, so that you are ineffective, so that you are afraid all the time. That's what he wants. He wants you to, to um, not be anything like God our Father, which, by the way, Genesis 126 tells us that we were made in his image. So all those characteristics of the Father are ours. Did you realize that? Like, that is our Father, and we are his children, and he has characteristics inside of us that he put there before we were even knit together in our mother's womb, and he's waiting for us to ask him to reveal those to us. And so we are mirror reflections of our Father in heaven, yet the enemy, the devil, wants you to think that you're more like him. He wants you to live like you're him. So fear, not only is it there, but fear has a language. Fear has a language of its own. And I like to refer to that language as the voice of the liar. John 8:44 says, no truth is in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he is the father of lies. He's the deceiver, the father of lies. And he wants to tell you lies over and over and over. The truth is, we believe they're true. We believe that those things that we're thinking in our head is from us and it's true about us. And I'm here to tell you that it's not. The liar's voice is always condemning, always accusing, always loud. And we think it's us because it's so loud. It's not us. He accuses, he condemns. He does not want you to succeed in anything. He wants you to always believe you're not good enough, you're not loved enough, you're not capable enough, that you're not hearing right. He wants you to believe that you're always going to be a failure. He wants you to believe that um, nobody is ever going to love you. That's what the liar sounds like. And I want you to become aware that there's these voices in our head, and I just told you about one, the liar. The other one, the second one I want to talk to you about is the truth, the voice of the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we, I believe that the voice of truth is there for us to listen to. The voice of truth believes the best in you, believes you are capable, um, has your best interest at heart. He's always there. He's always going to tell you the right thing to do if you ask him. And you have to listen because his voice speaks to us in a whisper. God is a gentleman, and he's not going to force himself on you. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you unsearchable things you do not know. He's waiting for us to ask him those questions, to talk to him, and then when we silence ourselves, he will speak. He's always speaking. The difference is that we need to get ourselves in the posture to listen. And so we practice listening. 
we practice getting ourselves in that posture so that we can start to become aware of the difference of the voices that we hear in our head. We, we begin to recognize. I even would say go someplace quiet and alone to practice this. Because the truth of the matter is we want to be able to hear Jesus' voice even when we leave and we go out into the world, we go out into the workplace, we go out into the noise. We want to be so disciplined, so trained that we can, we can hear him as we go about our day. That's our goal. We have to work on it. It's a discipline that we have to make. So why do I want you to be able to hear the voice of God? And I also want to say this because the voice of God, we know when we surrender our life to Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit in us. But this verse that I discovered in 1 Corinthians 2.16 says not only do we have his spirit, but we have the mind of Christ. So all those times that I was trying to wait, wait for God to speak to me, I don't know, like, is it going to be loud? Is it going to be audible? I realized that his voice is so familiar to me, but I just thought it was my own. You know, even all those good things that I think to do, like, ooh, pet Sue on the back, I realize now that that was God whispering to me to do those good things. Because if I'm only listening to myself, if we're honest, our self-voice is pretty selfish. It wants what we want when we want it. It never thinks to put anybody else first. So that thought to call and encourage someone to do the good thing, that's all from the voice of truth. So the reason I want you to, to um, understand how the voice speaks, how the voice of truth speaks, is because every point that I'm going to give you that I learned on how to become fearless, we're going to ask Jesus questions. And we're going to practice listening, getting ourselves in that posture to listen so that we can know what it is he wants us to do. So all I do when I ask questions is I just wait a couple minutes to just see what comes to my mind. See, I just wait a few minutes and I, and I wait and I think. So if the voice that comes to my mind is like accusing me and condemning me, I know it's not the voice of truth. It's the liar. So I say, nope, I reject you. You know, get out of here. Go away. I am here to hear the voice of God, voice of truth. So that's what you do. You just ask your questions, you wait to see what pops up, and then you go with it, okay? So the goal then is to be able to recognize Jesus. So here we go. I'm going to give you the four tips that I have to help us become uh, fearless and to be able to move out in confidence, okay? So my first one, you go, girl. Hey, do you know that there's a, a verse in Psalm 8-2 that says the voices of babies gurgling? Uh, babies, like those gurgles, and is uh, them praising God. Psalm 8-2, look it up. And, it, and actually, it even says it shuts the mouth of the enemy. They're, they're, they're gurgling. Shuts the mouth of the enemy. So shuts down the lies, and they're praising God. So look it up, Psalms 8-2. It's an incredible verse. Okay, so you go. That's why I say you go. All right, so the first one is be aware. Who wants to read that memory verse for me? 1 Peter 5 8. Thank you. Okay, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Okay, so we kind of touched base on this a little bit. But what I want you to do is the next time you're about to get into a situation and a circumstance where you are afraid, that you can feel, like maybe you can't even, like you don't realize your emotion is fear, but all of a sudden you realize your body language, like you're clenching your fists, you, you know, you're stiffening up, there's something going on. I want you to become aware of um, what is happening, and I want you to realize that the enemy is, this is where he's tempting you. He's going to tempt you to see if he can devour you. 
So I want you to become aware, whatever situation in that's causing you fear, it's he, this is he thinks it's his opportunity to take you down. So the questions that we need to ask Jesus is this first one. Jesus, what lies am I believing about God, about you and myself in this exact situation that's causing me to fear? So we already kind of talked about how he speaks, whatever the lie is that he's trying to tell you. And then the second question is, what is the truth? What is true? What, is, what do you really want me to know? So I'm going to give you an example of that. When, when I was diagnosed with MS and Don and I left, to get, we got in the car and we decided we needed to go somewhere to talk. So I don't know why we decided to do this, but we chose to go to a restaurant, a public restaurant, where all I could do was sit down and cry. So it wasn't the best idea, but there we are sitting there and I'm crying. Um, and, the, and the lie that I, so, so I was crying and so I asked God like, and I wanna say this too. So if you have a fear that you're experiencing right now, um, you go there and you ask him what's the lie and what's the truth. But if this happened to you in your past, like way back when, it's never too late to go back and ask him, what's the lie, what's the truth? Because honestly, the stuff I'm teaching you now, I didn't really know all of it back then when I was diagnosed. So I was able to go back to it and say, Jesus, what lie did I believe then? And the lie that came to my mind when I just asked him and I just popped in, you feel powerless. You know, you feel like powerless and that you're, you're going to die, your life is over. That's your lie. I'm like, okay, I get that. So now, what is the lie I believe about you? And this is a trickier one, because if you've been brought up in church, you know in your head the right things you're supposed to believe about God. You just know them. The truth is what's buried down in your heart. And so for me, it took a long time for me to admit this and to say it out loud, because the truth of the matter is, I was upset with God. And the thing that I said when I finally got it out was that, um, God, why didn't you do something to prevent this? Why didn't you stop it? And you chose not to, so the truth is, you must not even really care about me. And that was my truth. It came up and out. It was the lie, but the enemy got me to believe it was the truth. So whatever situation you're in, when you're going through that fear, you ask him. You ask God, help me to be honest. What is the truth? And then you speak it out. You say, okay, I'm, confession is just telling the truth. Like, I'm telling you the truth. I don't think you care about me. I really don't. And so once that uh is out, then we can ask him what's the truth, what's true. And so the thought that comes to my mind is I just thought, like, put your hand over your heart. So I put my hand over my heart. And um, the thought is, do you feel your heart beating? I'm like, yeah, I feel it. That's beating. Okay, then guess what, Sue? You're still alive. Oh, yeah, I'm alive. Okay, that's true. That's the truth. I am still alive. And the next thought I have is, I've given you Don, and I've given you Dr. Ernstoff, and I am showing you I care by giving them to care for you. That's the truth. And that truth sets me free, right? It's like, okay, now we have to take that next step and believe it. We can get truth all day long, but we can wake up tomorrow and still be full of fear because we're not choosing to take the step of faith to trust that what he says is true. So that's our first point. We need to be aware. Just be aware, you guys, that that enemy is out there and he's looking to take you down. Be a fighter, don't let him. Just say, no way, not today, okay? Just do that. So the second one is be present. Who wants to read Matthew 6.33 for me? Okay. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. 
Wow. How many of us have memorized that verse? You know, we can say it. Seek first. There's even a song. Seek first and seek ye first the kingdom. I don't know if you all know that. Um, but what do we really do it? Do we really do it? He, this verse is saying, be present with me. In this situation where there is so much fear, where you're getting really to go in, be present with me. Seek me first. I'm going to tell you the right things to do. I'm going to give you the good ideas, but you got to keep me as your center point. But this is how the enemy trips us up. The scheme that he said he does for us is immediately when we're in that situation, we're tempted to go to the past and or the future. And in both those places, he's hopeful that you will not keep Jesus at the center. So for me, what happened when this diagnosis came was I went right to the past because my mom was very ill most of my life. And so what my mom did was um, she chose to just check out. She didn't come to anything. She didn't come to any of the things that I was participating in or my siblings were participating in. She chose to check out and she stayed victim, a victim for the rest of her life. And I put myself there. Like, oh no, here I go. This is what's gonna happen to me. This is the way my life's gonna be. And I totally, in that whole scheme of going back to the past, didn't have Jesus as my present. Another thing that we do is we go to the future. And we go to the future and um, we try to control the future. I mean, let's be honest, have you done it? Usually it, does, it ends up to be kind of negative, right? Like, I actually call it future tripping. Like we're just tripping all over each other, our, ourselves trying to, trying to get, try to picture in our head all the terrible things that are gonna go wrong. I mean, I did that too. I did it too because I knew someone who had MS who was in a wheelchair already. And I just knew that was gonna be me. And my mind just wouldn't stop, it wouldn't shut down. Like not only am I in the wheelchair, but you know, Don's gonna have to do everything for me and he's not gonna be able to do my hair the way I like it and you know, cause my arms aren't gonna work. Do you see what we do? We just go there. And so what we need to do instead is to stay in the present. I mean, my doctor had said to me, do not get on the internet. You have your diagnosis, but do not look stuff up. Well, let's be honest. We all do it, right? We look it up. We want to know. And so I was reading all the terrible things that could happen to me. And then I was reading, oh, they have medicines that, you know, doesn't cure it, but at least it stops it. And so, um, but man, the side effects, well, you see those side effects on TV if you watch those darn commercials, right? I mean, it's just, a month, you're gonna might as well just go to your coffin because it's just terrible. And so that's why it's so important for us to stay in the present and ask Jesus these questions. In the present, we say, Jesus, where are you in this situation right now? So I, I, I know you've just told me truth, but where are you right now? And who will you be for me in this current situation? Where are you? Because Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of time. So he's in our past, present, and our future. He is with us. Do we stop and take the time to ask him? Where are you? No, we don't. So I did this. I said, Jesus, where were you? And the fun thing about God is I'm discovering on my journey with him is just to just see how unique and creative he is, especially when it comes to him communicating with us. He can communicate any way he wants to. He's God. 
We have his words, right? His words are alive and active, and he can use verses, can come to our mind when we're asking him a question. Happens to me all the time. Then I just Google to see where it is, and I go to the ver that verse, and I, it's true. I never can remember a scripture reference. Who can, right? So, but I just do that. But he can speak to us through song, and they don't all have to be Christian songs. If there is a song that comes into your head, don't push it away. Ask him what he wants you to know about it, because he could be using that song to speak to you right then and there. He can use all our senses. He can use pictures. And for me, at that moment, when I asked him where he was, all of a sudden, this picture comes to my mind of Don and I back in the doctor's office. And so I'm like, OK, yeah. But this time, the difference is I see Jesus. And he is standing right um, on the right side of Dr. Ernstoff. And I'm, I'm like startled but excited because I see him and he's, I see all of them. A lot of times if I ask Jesus to give me, you know, show me, uh, reveal himself to me, I might get a hand or a foot or a, an impression. But this time it was clear as day. It was Jesus. And he was standing there. He had on his white, ro white robes and there was a light shining on him. And it was, it was so breathtaking. But what attracted and got my attention was his face. I saw his face, and, and what it was about his face that just took my breath away was the peace that was on it. Like, it made me, like, draw in. Like, I was, oh, I want it. Like, that's, I want it. And as I'm, like, drawn in, going to that face, all of a sudden, I see he winks at me. And he, I'm not, I am not making this up. He winks at me, and he jumps right into Dr. Ernstoff's body. And now I've, I've learned, because I've been doing this for a while, I'm just like, whoa, Jesus, what do you want me to know about that? Like, I can't wait to see what you're going to tell me. Like, what, what are you trying to tell me? And so what came to my mind after I asked him what he wanted me to know was this. I want you to listen to her. That's Dr. Ernstoff. I am the one who made her the way she is. Her brain is full of wisdom and understanding when it comes to the disease named multiple sclerosis. Do, do what she tells you to do, and you will be able to manage this disease. The enemy comes to steal and destroy, but I have come to bring life, life to the fullest. I will be known to you. And so you can't even imagine like how overwhelmed I am. So then the next question just naturally came out. Well, who will you be for me? Who are you for me right now? And the thoughts that come to my mind is, I am your healer. I am your provider. I am your caregiver. I am your lover. I am the lifter of your head. Changes everything. And then we can start praising him in the present, praising him, calling back to him the things he just told me he would be for me. That's what praise is. You are my comforter. You are my healer. You are my defender. That's what praise is. So we stay in the present, and we can experience who he will be for us and where he is in that situation. Okay? So the third step, the third tip I have for you is to be mindful. Who wants to read Romans 12 too? Yes, thank you. So what this verse is telling us, you guys, is that we need to have a flexible, open state of mind at all times. Open, flexible state of mind. What fear wants you to do is stay in that old pattern, that old way of thinking, and to never change. 
and to just keep wearing it and keep living in it, just keep feeding it, and never start to think of it, think in a different way. So we have to be mindful, like always paying attention to what's going on inside of us to be able to keep ourselves confidently living fearlessly. And so I'm going to give you three ways that we, we can know that we're still in fear, that we're still not getting it, by these three things. Number one, we're controlling. In situations that are happening around us, we're controlling. We're controlling circumstances. We're controlling situations. Especially if your fear is the fear of the unknown, like you, you need to have it all played out in your head. If you have that fear of unknown, then you don't want things to change. Man, good chance you have this controlling way about you. And so if you do, something you need to talk to Jesus about. The second one is self-promoting. If you're looking to make yourself look more important or significant um, than how you actually really feel, chances are fear has still got a hold of you. You know? Um, you might be afraid of being alone. You might have that fear of rejection of being alone. So you want to make sure you're noticed at all times. So you go about promoting yourself. The truth is that you really maybe don't believe how much God loves you. And from that sense of love, you don't care what anybody thinks because you know what your father is asking you to do and you do it. You know, that's what Brian did. He, you do it because you know you're loved and you want to go out to the world and let them know they're loved too. But if we have this self-promoting thinking that we got to be the one to create, to create it, then chances are we're still living in fear. And the third one is self-protecting. Self-protecting, meaning that we put up walls to protect those from coming in and hurting us, and or we put up the walls to protect ourselves from getting out. We won't let ourselves out. Fear of rejection, like that could be stemmed. Like when you're believing those lies, that fear of rejection, you're like, no, I've been hurt before. Nobody's hurting me again. And in that whole equation, we're not getting, letting God in. We're not staying and asking him, what the truth is that he wants us to know. We're believing the fear instead. So the question we ask Jesus then is, what do I need to adjust? What is it that I need to adjust in order to be able to not slip back into this pattern? And for me, every single time I go to the doctor, I'll just be honest with you, my mind wants to go right back to that fear. Every single time I have to hit face to face, oh my goodness, I do have MS. Oh my goodness, now the tests are coming and I got, I'm going to find out if I have more lesions on my spine and in my head and am I going to choose to succumb to, the, succumb to the fear or am I going to let the truth win? And I have to just keep adjusting, keep releasing, keep surrendering those fears and picking up his truth and putting it on as my armor so I can walk through the fear. Because I don't think the fear goes away. We live in a fallen, broken world. I think what we're doing and what I'm trying to sh share with you is that we got these tools to put on the armor to walk right through the fear. It is not going to stop us. And so the, that leads me to number four. The fourth tip that I have for you is to be transformed. And who wants to read Galatians 5, 22? Yeah, thank you. There we go. That, you guys, is the key to transformation. And what I mean by that is the old pattern of fear can be replaced 
by these characteristics of our Father, we can actually train, transform ourselves into a new way of thinking. We can create uh, different, we can create new pathways, develop new patterns. There's actually a whole study, a neuroscience study on this. For those of you that are scientists, it's amazing to just get into and study. But you can actually transform, renew your mind to think a new way. And so I decided I was gonna try this. And so what I did was I decided to use these fruit, this, what you just read are called the fruits of the spirit. And I started to think about fruit. So rotten fruit um, is what I like to like, just say that fear is like a piece of rotten fruit. And you know when um, fruit is rotten, it's disgusting, right? It's not good, we don't wanna eat it. And it reminds me of a time when Don was in Costa Rica, one of his first trips out to Costa Rica, he went and had a tour of a banana plantation. And so he was with a guy, the guy is so excited about the banana plantation, and he says to him, do you want to eat a banana? And so Don, you know, out, out of politeness says yes, because he doesn't really like fruit, but he says yes. And so the guy goes over, instead of picking one, like he picks one up from the ground, a whole ground of bruised and black bananas, and he gives that to Don to eat. Well, you can imagine what that was like for Don. I mean, he was gagging it down. It was disgusting, right? Fruit that is rotten is not good. We want to throw it up, right? But the fruit that we eat that is ripe, man, that is nutritious. It's satisfying. It's a little sweet. It's just, it, it fills us up. You know, we feel nourished. So that's what the fruit, like, so I'm, I'm comparing, like, the rotten fruit to, um, to fear and the ripe fruit to every single one of these, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, self-control. So just think, if we were to take that fruit and eat it, it would be satisfying, it would be uh, nourishing to our spirits. So his spirit, our spirit connected, and we're disciplining ourselves to put on the fruit of the spirit. That way, we have a way to walk through the fear. So what I did was, when I first was diagnosed, I decided I was gonna, I was gonna try this goodness thing. And I decided that I was going to go outside, because I like to be outside, I was gonna go for a walk, and I was gonna look for his goodness, and then I was gonna thank him for it. So instead of, like, any time I felt that fear starting to, you know, rear its ugly head, I just would go outside, and I'd go for a walk. And so sometimes I wasn't feeling it, and I would say, you know, thank you for the trees, thank you for the flowers, you know, just blah, thank you. Until somewhere along the way, I would truly become thankful. Like, it's when you know, you know, these fruit of the Spirit will become your constant companions. And it's like right then, you, I knew, okay, I see his goodness and I am thankful. I'm good, I can go back in now. Crisis over, right? The enemy did not win. And so then this last year, I decided that I was gonna find joy. I was gonna choose that to be the one I highlighted. So for a whole year, I just finished up the whole year of looking and finding joy, asking Jesus, where is it? You know, some days it was really hard to find, but Jesus was faithful to whisper where I could find it. And so what I decided to do then was I was even going to, um, which I know is from, from, from Jesus, I had the thought, like, I'm going to start putting it on Facebook. And I'm going to put it on Facebook, you know, Truth be told, a lot of times Facebook's not, you know, the most encouraging place, right, to read things. So I thought, okay, I'll put it there. But really I was putting it there so that I could be reminded that joy was found every single day. 
And then to my surprise for Christmas, Don actually had put together, there's two of these, this is the one I'm showing you, of my joy, my joy of the day. He, that you can make them into a book. So now I have a book that I can look on every day when I'm feeling that fear starting to come up. I can look at this and say, um, yeah, you know, whatever. You can come look at it if you want to, or you can look at it on Facebook. But anyways, it was just a tool. It's a weapon that I can use to fight against the enemy who's trying to take me down. And so in this year, in this season of where I am in my life, I am waiting for God to do something that I've just been crying out for him to do. And I realize that he's been whispering to me all along, this is the opportunity for you to practice patience. Love, joy, peace, patience. And so I, I'm like, oh. So I'm like, okay, how do I do that? Like, how do I wear that as my armor to fight against the fear? Because when we're waiting for something, fear wants to get in there. And so this is what came to my mind, a little song from when my girls were little. Um, it's called, it's a, maybe you've heard of this, Please and Thank You. They are the magic words, please and thank you. Like, so anyway, so that song comes to my mind, and I start to think about it. And this is what I came up with. This is what I feel like God was saying to me. Please, you know my heart's desire. Please, instead of me being a two-year-old stomping around saying, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Now I'm saying, please. And it's followed up by thank you. Because I know he's got it. The truth is he's got it. The truth is he knows what it is. The truth is he's working it all out for my good if I will have patience to wait. So please and thank you is what I'm doing right now to, be, to guard myself against the fear and to not let it take over. And so what I'd love to do, we have just a few minutes here, is I'd like to take you through an exercise, through a prayer, that we will just ask God to just see if there's any fear that you have right now that he's been wanting to speak with you about. Maybe those thoughts are already coming to your mind as you've been sitting here. We're just going to take a few minutes, and then we'll be done. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. All right. So here we go. If you want to write what you hear Jesus bring to your mind, um, go for it. If you want to stay in the moment. And I do want to say, like, um, for some of you, maybe hearing his voice is brand new. And I do not want you to get all freaked out. I do want you to confess, tell him the truth. I doubt you're going to speak to me because I don't know if I trust what Sue's saying is true. So you just have that conversation with him. I want you to get yourself silent, and I want you to go there. And it could be that you, you tell him you doubt it, you're telling him the honest truth, and you still don't hear anything. Maybe all he wants is to just have you sit in quiet with him. Maybe ask him to just give you a picture of him sitting here with you, whatever, whatever it looks like for you. Okay, so Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to just be with you and to be able to learn some new things, maybe review some new things. Thank you that you've given us a way out so that when we're tempted to let fear win, we can have a way out so that we won't be tempted. And so, Jesus, I ask that you would just speak to us right now. Is there a fear you want to talk to us about right now? And I ask that you would show it, reveal it to us in your name. And so as you're revealing the fear to us, Jesus, I ask that you would just um, reveal to us any offensive way that we might have, like that we have been thinking about this fear, like what have we come to believe about you? Attached to the fear, is there a lie we've been believing about you? Would you bring that up and out of us now? In Jesus' name.
And so now we ask Jesus, would you give us a new way of thinking about this fear? You know, as we tell you our truth about our own belief about you and our fear, what do you say back to us? What truth do you want us to know? Would you show us? Would you speak to us? What is the truth you want us to know to replace that fear that we've been believing? And now from that place of truth, Jesus, we want to ask you what it is you want us to do. Now that we can look at the situation in different light because of your truth, what is it you're asking us to do? I thank you, Father, for these moments that we were able to have together to just kind of just get ourselves into the posture to listen. I pray that you will continue to speak, continue to woo each and every one here into the truth of what you want them to know. We just thank you so much, and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming. I do want to say um, on your worksheet there's a fearless application prayer, and that what that is is it, can t it takes you deeper than what I was able to just take you here in these few moments that we have together. And so um, go ahead and I, I challenge you to go home, take that sheet and work through it and just see what it is that God wants to speak to you about. Okay? Thank you so much.